0: You get Waymo, you get healthcare, you get fantastic YouTube, and you get search. What are they going to do? Break search up into what? Like A through M goes to Facebook? Tim Wu, Columbia Law School professor, said the odds of a full breakup are low. This is actually a fairly strong suit as they go, but the question is, well, what does it accomplish? And you know, if they go big to try to get some kind of breakup, that would be a big deal. The challenge, I think, for this suit is even though I think they chose their best lawsuit, it's almost an exact copy of the Microsoft case they won in the 90s. The remedies, the natural remedies, are just, don't make Google the default search engine. And that isn't really going to transform the industry, so I think the odds are actually lower on this of there being a real breakup down the road. But you know, as they said, nothing is off the table. Luther Lowe, vice president of public policy at Yelp, said the DOJ has a straightforward case. When a mom does a search for a pediatrician in New York City today, instead of being matched with the best information from across the web, which is what the original bargain of Google was, she's being unwittingly steered into an objectively lower quality set of results. And this type of local searching happens literally billions of times a week in the United States. So I think that the U.S. government is going to have a pretty straightforward case here in terms of showing direct empirical evidence of consumer harm. Stephen Hoke, former chief of the antitrust bureau Bur- Bur- at the New York State Attorney's General's Office, laid out the differences between this suit and that against Microsoft in the 1990s. We haven't seen the complaint yet. I'm sure Google will move to di- dismiss it. Unlike Microsoft, here the problem from the very beginning has been a lack of consumer harm. Google's products are well-liked by consumers. They're free. Unlike the Microsoft case, where the whole objective of Microsoft was to enable itself to continue charging high monopoly prices, these are very different cases. The conduct apparently is going to be alleged is also very, very different much more severe in the Microsoft case. Brian Nowark, Senior Internet Equity Research Analyst at Morgan Stanley, said Google already underwent a similar scenario in Europe. The three things that really stand out to me coming out of this is, number one, this is going to be a long process, and this is a process that will involve years, not quarters. Likely in actually getting resolution, number two, as part of the... Multi quarter, potentially a year process of politicking and negotiation. It's not really clear what types of changes Alphabet or Google have to make to their core products and how we think about the real financial impact of those changes. And I would say, point three, we've already been through a version of this before with Search in Europe, specifically in 2018, where the European Commission did force Google to adjust their practices and the way in which they manage the Android ecosystem, essentially allowing non-Google search engines into Android into that ecosystem. And what we saw based on that case study, at least, is that the actual growth trajectory of Google search revenue within Europe we don't really think was materially impacted. A spate of IPOs and robust tech growth helped China's billionaires add $1.5 trillion to their wealth, bringing the total worth of Chinese billionaires to $4 trillion, according to a new report, which described the increase as the country's fastest growth ever. China minted 257 billionaires over the past year, averaging 5 new billionaires a week, bringing the total to 878, according to the Huron Rich List 2020, which tracks wealth in China. That total would exceed the 788 billionaires in the U.S. as measured by WealthX. WealthX and others, however, use different methodologies for China and put China's billionaire count lower than that of the U.S. The road has never seen this much wealth created in just one year, said Rupert Hugworth, who run Report Chairman and Chief Researcher. China's entrepreneurs have done much better than expected. Despite... COVID-19, they have risen to record levels. China's soaring stock markets, a flood of initial public offerings, and surging growth in the tech sector have all helped to fuel the country's latest wealth boom. Jack Ma, co-founder and former executive chairman of Alibaba, topped China's billionaire ranking for the third year in a row with $59 billion. He saw his fortune increase 45% due mainly to the upcoming IPO of fintech giant Ant Group. The Huron China Rich List recorded more wealth created this year than the previous five years combined, suggesting that the structure of the economy has evolved, moving away from the traditional sectors like manufacturing and real estate towards the new economy, Huworth said. Just as in the U.S., China's first two months of the outbreak saw massive wealth destruction followed by a V-shaped recovery for stock markets and then a massive digital boom, according to Huron. Ranking second on the billionaire's list is Pony Ma, founder, chairman, and CEO of tech conglomerate Tencent. His wealth increased 50% to $57.4 billion, driven by Tencent's strong gaming business and growth in WeChat. Ranking third was Zhang Shanshan, chairman of YST, which makes bottled water. Other big wealth winners over the past year included China's food delivery king, Wang Xing Amishun, Dianping, who quadrupled his wealth to $25 billion after winning market share from Alibaba. China's Express Delivery King, Wang Wei of SF Express, more than doubled his wealth to $35.3 billion, the report said. Zuo Kanfei of Lens, the touchscreen maker, saw her fortune more than triple to $17 billion, making her one of the three richest self-made women in the world. Check out 14box.com to master your money, personal finance lessons and courses, want to make money online, learn the four steps to make money online in the description. Now, I also want to talk about a little bit about the whole antitrust thing with Google, right? Now, the thing that's interesting about it, right, let's just say that the DOJ actually succeeds and is, ends up being able to potentially break up Google, right? Right. The problem with that is like people's basically experience, their daily experience online, especially within the United States, right, would be probably drastically changed if they were actually able to do something that was worthwhile, right? The only problem with that is that the change will most likely not be for the good of the user experience, right? Just like the normal everyday people, right? Because normal everyday people typically do not really care too much about this, right? What do they care about? Oh, I want to be able to Google this. Oh, I want to be able to watch a YouTube video about this, right? Oh, I want to keep watching YouTube videos from, you know, my favorite creators, Right? Oh, I want to get the news from this source. I want to get the news from here. But they typically all use some sort of Google product or assets, right, to get whatever they want done, right? So the thing is, there's just so many different, like, sh- strings of a web of Google that you can't really break it up, right? Because there's always some sort of part of the web that you're touching of Google, right? And it just makes the whole thing a little bit more complicated because think about it, right? Let's just say that they were actually were to separate YouTube from Google. Let's just say that, right? Well, then YouTube will also basically be almost dealing with the whole same issue because it is the biggest, basically video platform, right? And pretty much 90%, or I'm just tossing these numbers out, 90% or the majority of the population tends to get their videos, their, like where they go to watch videos, to actually enjoy videos, is typically YouTube, right? Because one, it's free. Two, there's kind of celebrities there. Right, People that you view as a celebrity or that you look up to or that you just generally like, which you can't really have anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, there's Facebook, but Facebook's algorithm absolutely sucks for a lot of people. There's a lot of creators that complain about Facebook. Apparently, the organic reach, unless you're doing like really clickbait stuff, whether it be like news or like pranks or something, it's pretty much, I guess, not going to work on Facebook. So YouTube is still king and king by a very, very long stretch, right? And even so, I remember listening to a podcast from Mr. Beast where basically, yeah, you want to focus on, you know, content from other platforms, but YouTube is number one. YouTube itself is the best and largest platform for video creators, right? Which means... Let's say this whole split, if they were to split it, actually causes YouTube to not be able to pay the creators on the platform well or well enough. That's going to just completely destroy YouTube, right? Which then would completely destroy basically almost this whole market because you have so many people who will lose their income source, lose their followings, multiple businesses support on that. Like, there's like so many different strings and strands. ...from this that is far more complicated than what people may think just from looking at it. Look, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Google has structured their search results specifically in like different states or different political views... ...and all that kind of stuff to cater certain results to you when you search it in, right? But at the same time, the user experience itself is typically best with Google services... So you got to keep that in mind for like the average daily user. That's what matters to them is just the experience, not necessarily the whole backend stuff. So this could really lead to a pretty sketchy thing if they were actually able to do something big. AMC has agreed to sell as many as 15 million shares of his stock but equity in the company could soon be worthless if the largest theater chain in the world files for bankruptcy. On Tuesday, AMC continued to warn investors about its dwindling cash pile and said it may have to file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy if it's unable to secure additional sources of liquidity. Shares of the company tumbled more than 11% on the news, AMC's stock, which has a market value of around $387 million, has plunged 56% so far this year. Chapter 11 bankruptcy would likely allow AMC to stay in business while it reworks its debts and sorts out new lines of liquidity. Movie theater chains in the U.S. have been slammed by the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, which first shuttered theaters and then drove away customers in major Hollywood blockbusters. AMC was particularly vulnerable because of the more than $4.75 billion in debt it had amassed before the crisis from outfitting its theaters with luxury seating and from buying competitors such as Carmike and Odeon. AMC has around 1,000 theaters and more than 11,000 screens globally. We will require significant amounts of additional liquidity, and there is substantial doubt about our ability to continue as a going concern for a reasonable period of time. Holders of our Class A common stock could suffer a total loss of their investment, the company wrote in the SEC filing. While New York Governor Andrew Cuomo Kumo, Kumo, gave movie theaters hope over the weekend when he announced that theaters outside of New York City could reopen. Studios had told movie theater operators that they would withhold major releases if New York remained closed. Also on Tuesday, AMC released a preliminary earnings report. The company said it had earned around $119.5 million in revenue during the three-month period ended September 30th. That's a steep fall from the $1.32 billion AMC tallied during the same period last year. For the first nine months of 2020, AMC took in revenue of $1.08 billion, a fraction of the $4.02 billion it garnered during the same period last year. Check out 14box.com to master your money. Personal finance lessons and courses. Want to make money online? Learn the four steps to make money online in the description of this episode. Now, what are your thoughts about AMC? Right? Because to me, I've always liked AMC as a movie theater. The only problem is this business model, no matter how much you like going to the movie theaters, they're going to have to downsize drastically. Right? In some form, they're going to have to drastically downsize because, well, one, because of the whole COVID thing, but two, it was already on track to start decaying, right? Because think about it like this, right? Even though you might enjoy the experience of going to the movies with your friends or family, which, you know, is always a nice thing, but most people would. Prefer nowadays to just, even without the whole pandemic thing, nowadays just stay at home, be able to watch on a pretty massive flat screen TV nowadays because you could get them for very cheap. And you could eat pizza, you could eat ice cream, you can hang out with your friends, you could be on your phone all you want without disturbing anyone else. You could have an immense amount of joy doing a whole bunch of other things while watching the movie or just watch the movie, right? Because everything's just streaming nowadays, right? Everything dealing with content now is just streaming, and it doesn't really make much sense for someone to end up spending, you know, maybe 30 40 bucks to go to a movie theater on a weekend, right? When they could just watch a movie at home, save. The time and money it takes to drive there and all that kind of stuff when they could just hang out with their friends or play games or watch TV or watch or binge Netflix for like 10, 12 hours straight, right? Instead of just spending all that time to go to a movie theater to then watch previews of like different like ads that they put, right? Right. Because all those previews and all these movie theaters are basically ads that companies paid to be put in front of their movie, which could be like 10 or 20 minutes, right? So what, you want to drive someplace to then watch 10 to 20 minutes of ads, right, after spending 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks wherever you go to then finally watch a movie that you could have just bought for like five bucks at home and done everything that you wanted to do, right? So this is just the thing. There's so many different things about this, but pretty much AMC, no matter how much I love it, no matter how much other people might love it, AMC is going downhill and it's going downhill very fast and so is every other movie theater because this is almost going to be more of like a niche thing, right? Maybe like one movie theater in like a local community or a city. Former WeWork CEO Adam Neumann was reportedly handed only a portion of a $185 million consulting fee that was part of his exit package from the communal working firm after an executive said he violated an agreement with SoftBank. SoftBank executive Marcelo Klar, who took over as WeWork's executive chairman in 2019, In a bid to save the struggling company, he said he didn't believe the multi-million dollar consulting agreement is still in force, according to the Wall Street Journal. I think Adam may have violated some of the parts of the consulting agreement, so that's no longer in effect. Clark said during a Wall Street Journal event on Monday. However, he declined to comment on how Newman violated the agreement. SoftBank gained majority control over the company last fall after infusing the We Company with $5 billion in urgently needed capital as part of the takeover. Newman was pushed aside, and Klar, who oversaw a merger at Sprint, was tapped to lead WeWork and beef up its corporate governance. In the beginning, Klar said that Newman, who co-founded WeWork in 2010, helped SoftBank understand the company. As part of Newman's controversial exit package, the Japanese tech conglomerate said it would pay $1 billion for his shares in the company, extend him a $500 million credit line, and pay a $185 million consulting fee, the journal reported. Now, $1 billion for his shares of the company is pretty freaking nice when you really think about it, right? Think about that for a second, right? Imagine if you started a company and then basically, yeah, it was a hostile probably takeover. you get a billion dollars to me like if he actually did get a billion dollars right i probably wouldn't complain too much right i I probably wouldn't like really fret over anything too much because yes i probably might have lost a company that i you tried really hard but with that money the amount of businesses that you can make of like all different kinds of passions and all that kind of stuff, right? Like this is the point where this is like F you money to the point where you can literally do whatever you want kind of thing. Now I don't really like or understand the whole point of a $500 million credit line. That seems just weird to me. And the whole $185 million consulting fee just seems like honestly over the top to begin with. Right, because I mean if you're already getting a billion dollars for his shares of the company plus five hundred million dollars worth of credit that he could probably apply to anything that he wants to do, right, to obviously create businesses and all that kind of stuff. A 185 million consulting fee doesn't really seem like worthwhile at all. Now it also included a four-year non compete agreement that Newman is no longer bound by. A person familiar with the matter told the journal, adding that he has not received the full consulting fee. WeWork filed a lawsuit earlier this year against SoftBank Group Corp. after the Japanese conglomerate dropped a $3 billion tender offer. Newman stepped down as CEO of WeWork in September 2019, shortly after the company delayed its initial public offering. The company was having trouble drumming up interest in the offering after revealing massive losses in the, its IPO filings. WeWork's revenue rose sharply to $1.8 billion in 2018, but the company lost $1.6 billion in the same year. You can check out 40inbox.com to master your money, personal finance lessons, and courses. Want to make money online? Learn the four steps to make money online in the description of this episode a Delta passenger who onlookers say refused to wear her mask correctly has been filmed punching a flight attendant in the face before being removed from the flight. Now, i say I actually watched the clip of this, and it's pretty interesting because i gonna just say what I saw before I get into this, right? So basically, the clip has what seems like two people talking to each other, right? And it looks like the flight attendant was basically trying to ask this lady to wear her mask correctly, which, again, she has the mask on, but it's just not on correctly, right? Because basically from the clip, the mask is basically on half of her face, right? Roughly, right? So she's not covering her full face with the mask, not properly at all. And so, my, my thoughts on the thing, right? Personally, I don't care about the mask thing at all. But also, if you're going to go onto a flight, right? You already know what they're going to try to say, right? So, how does it make sense to be frustrated with a flight attendant who's doing their job Asking you to follow their policies when you knew going into it that they would be telling you to follow the policies, right? Which, if you didn't want to do that, you could go on your own flight. You could pay far more and do a private flight. You could drive, right? There's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to wear a mask while driving, which, if you wore a mask while driving, that wouldn't even make sense because you'd be alone, right? So, to me, like, that just whole thing, like, that point right there, you already know what they're going to be asking you, so why get frustrated when they're going to ask you about that, right? So, basically, in this clip, it shows her just basically kind of, like, asking her, like, hey, put on the mask correctly, please. Basically, you could kind of tell from the body language, right? And then the other, like, the passenger, right, was being held back, I believe, by her boyfriend, Because she was starting to get kind of rowdy And then The female passenger Basically Didn't really punch her Like it wasn't like a full on punch to the face Where like you know typically someone If someone were to hit someone Like it would be painful It would hurt, you could see damage That kind of stuff right This is more like You know those like viral videos that you've seen on social media or whatever where people kind of like do like this like weird kind of like sticking their chest out kind of thing where like they kind of like do like also like like a half strength whatever punch to people just basically like almost like a weak slap but with a fist motion right, to the other person, right, like, where it's like it's not even really a punch. Like, like, if anyone's ever seen a punch, you know that's not how you throw a punch kind of thing. And it's more like, oh, I'm just going to, like, slap box you kind of thing. And they just do this weird, like, movement with their hands. But she did put her hand that was in the shape of a fist to the flight attendant's face, right, and then immediately tried to, like, oh, I'm ready to fight kind of thing, right, right. Mm-hmm. But either way, from that clip, what I saw it—it it was just stupid, right? Like it was just so stupid on so many different levels that if you were to watch it yourself, it—it it just wouldn't even make sense because you're looking at this, and you're like, "Why? Why are you wasting your time doing anything like this on a flight?" Right? But let's get into it. So the unidentified traveler was seen squaring up to the worker in footage shared to Twitter by journalist Suzanne Kianpour on Monday. It is understood the altercation began when the woman was asked to wear her mask in line with the airline's policy to stop the spread of the coronavirus. She then appears to slap the female flight attendant in the face as shocked onlookers watch on. One says, she's in her face, oh lord, oh lord. Reporter Keon Poor wrote, Been stuck on the tarmac in Hashtag Miami, heading to Hashtag Atlanta as we continue on the Hashtag Elections 2020 campaign trail. A passenger on this at-delta flight refuses policy to wear a mask, then won't get off the plane. Then heads flight attendant announcement that Miami-Dade police on their way. The passenger is then heard telling the airline steward, you shouldn't have touched me. You pushed me. A man then comes in between, to the two women. Police are understood to have boarded the flight to remove the traveler. Dailymail.com has contacted Miami International Airport for comment. And another journalist, Kitty K, tweeted, So Miami police had to board this flight before someone who refused to wear a mask for a 1 hour and 45 minute flight would get off the plane so we can push back out and take off. Three hours late. Poor flight crew. 2020, really six. What are we becoming? She added, Captain just announced the passengers wouldn't leave the jetway after leaving the plane, so that's why it took another hour before we could push back. Says he's never seen anything like it in 30 years of flying. In a statement, Delta said, There's nothing more important than the safety of our people and customers. That's why two customers who did not comply with crew safety instructions were asked to to deplane flight 1997 this evening. We do not tolerate violence of any kind and this situation is currently under investigation. We apologize to customers for the flight delay this caused. The U.S. Department of Justice filed an antitrust suit against search giant Google on Tuesday. Five experts break down what the suit means for parent company Alphabet, whether it has any merit, and how Google will defend itself. Jim Kramer, host of CNBC's Mad Money, who's a very entertaining guy, poked holes in the logistics of a breakup. 1. It's baked in. 2. It's not the first rodeo. They've been able to defend this over and over and over again. There's a huge number of documents that are in favor of Google. If they broke up the company, what would you get?